on watch your attitude. How many of you were here last week for our first part, part one? Some of you, maybe a couple of you, okay. Probably about half the room, maybe, sort of. Those of you watching online, last week we began with part one. It was based on Jesus' teaching found in Matthew chapter five, verses three through 12. And if you weren't here last week when Pastor Jerry shared part one and you missed it, I want you to know you can always go to our website, WFA. Uh, dot church forward slash messages and you can listen to last week's message and the notes from last week are also in there. So it'll make sure if, if you ever miss out, you and that goes for any time. We always try to post as soon as possible Sunday's message for you to go back and listen to. But specifically in this series, we're having these notes. And if you have a, a, a booklet today with all the notes, we're making those provided for you so that way you can follow along and not miss anything as we go through this series. Eight weeks in total. This is week two of eight, and we hope that you'll journey with us through this entire series. Watch your attitude. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? We're going to read our text in whole today, Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. I'm going to be reading from the NIV translation, starting verse 3, chapter 5 of Matthew. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated in his presence today. So this portion of scripture in Matthew that we just read, Matthew chapter five, is known as the Beatitudes. And this first uh, beginning, this is really the beginning of Jesus's sermon on the mount. Now, as you know, many times as Jesus would go and he would, he would teach large crowds and multitudes would come and, and surround Jesus. And so in this particular instance, crowds came and Jesus positioned himself on a mountainside and began to teach the people. He stood there and he taught them. And, and, and what he began to share with them were these beatitudes, this beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, notice what we just read. If you notice this, each verse begins with the word blessed. You see that? Each verse begins with, with blessed. Last week, Pastor Jerry was sharing um, in part one, he shared that this word that's being used here, it, it really means happy. So every time you see blessed there, you can think of the word happy. And I want you to take that into consideration today when we read our focus verse for today, verse number four, blessed or happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, that almost doesn't make sense, does it? When you think about that, almost no one is happy while they're mourning. Have you ever seen a mournful, happy person before? It doesn't make sense. It's almost like those words don't go together. Think of it this way. It's almost like saying, happy are the unhappy. What's that? But Jesus was saying something here. He was teaching the people. He was teaching them something of a spiritual nature. Again, 2,000 years ago to a predominantly Jewish crowd. But what he was teaching them then, he is also teaching us today. Happy, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. How many of you have ever gone through a season of mourning in your life? Raise your hand. Everywhere, all of us, Right? Maybe it's, it's, it's been the loss of a loved one or maybe a loss of, of, of a family pet. That's a mourning that you've walked through. Or maybe a mourning of illness or loss of health 
or maybe you've mourned a change of jobs in your life, or moving into a new home can be a season of mourning, or maybe you've lost a home, like the West family. I don't know if they're here this morning. The West family, a couple years ago, their house burned down in the middle of the night. Don't tell me they didn't go through mourning. Thank the Lord they have moved back into their home. It's been a long journey, but they're home. But there was a season of mourning that the West walked through during that difficult time. Sometimes we go through seasons of mourning when we change relationships. Both It could be you know, in a loving type of relationship, maybe, a, maybe something that someone's married, they're divorced, or maybe a loss of relationship and a friendship. There's a season that can, can happen of mourning when that is broken or it's separated. You see, friends, the Bible never tries to explain our suffering. It never tries to explain it. But what the Bible does do is it shows us how to respond in our suffering. Did you hear that this morning? You can, you can look through the entire word of God and you will not find anywhere where God tries to explain the hardship and the trials and the things that we face in life. But what we do find in the word and, and what comes to encourage us is, is how we can respond in our suffering while we're going through that. So how can we be happy, joyful, while we're going through times of mourning? Well, that kind of happiness only comes when we receive the comfort of God into our lives. That's the only way we can be happy. That's the only time we can rejoice in seasons of trouble is because we receive the comfort that comes in God himself. Matthew 5, 4, happy are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Does it say they might be comforted? I sure hope that they're comforted. No, they will be comforted. That's what it says. So today we need to understand the key to peace and healing is receiving the comfort that comes and is available through God. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you that you're present. Lord, you've confirmed some things this morning, even what you put on Pastor Jerry's heart as he was driving here today uh, to service God. You impressed him. You impressed um, some other people on our worship team this morning of some specific things that you want to say and what you want to establish in our time together today. Lord, I just pray that you will speak exactly what you want said this morning. Lord, I in in myself, I don't have anything to give your people today in my humanness. But Lord, I believe that the word of the Lord is true. I believe that your word is living. I believe, God, that we can hear from you today as we look at your teachings found here in Matthew chapter 5. And I pray, God, that we wouldn't view this message this morning just as some kind of a a self-help kind of a class that we're taking together. But Lord, we would realize that you are actively working in our lives. You are actively working on our behalf. You are living today. And God, we can put our faith and our hope in a living God who loves us, who we can put our faith in, who is faithful and good. And we this morning ask that you would uh, be true to your word and that you accomplish that which you desire this morning in the lives of your people. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So if you have a copy of today's notes, feel free to open those up this morning and you can fill in the blanks. I love filling the blanks. All right. Feel free to follow along. You have the answers and we're going to learn together from God's word. So the big question or big thought this morning is, how can I experience God's comfort? How can we experience God's comfort? Well, if you're taking notes, number one, the first thing we need to do is we need to realize that God is with me. God is with me. When we are hurting, we need to remember where God is at. I'll say that again. When we're struggling... We need to remember where God is at. We know where we are. We know where we are in our difficulties, but we need to remember where God is at. It may seem that he is distant. It may seem at times as though he doesn't care. That's what our emotions, and that's what the enemy would try to speak to us while we are going through our struggles. But the reality is this. He is with us. He is with us. He is not distanced. He's not a God who doesn't care. He is with us. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close. Say close. Close. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. 
For perspective, I want you to to think of it this way uh, this morning, if you would, with me. When you and I are hurting, God is close. When we are in the middle of a struggle, God is in the process of saving. When we are brokenhearted, God is healing. That's worth writing down. That's worth remembering. When we're hurting, God is close. When we're struggling, God is in the process. He's saving. And when we're brokenhearted, when our hearts are broken, when we seem, it seems like there's no hope at all, God is healing. He is work. He is at work. Friends, God is with us in our pain. Talking about comfort this morning. A lot of times when you come to church, you don't want to hear messages about pain, right? But is pain a reality of our lives? Yes, it is. This is a reality. God is with us in our pain. So there's some important things that we need to remember when we are going through painful seasons in our lives. So remembering, I talked about earlier, I'm not as young as I used to be. So sometimes I need to write notes to myself so I remember. Trust me, I've got sticky notes all around my my computer screen. If you go into my office right now, you will see sticky notes. Darth, don't forget this. Darth, I need it. I need the help. But here's some things that we need to remember this morning. The first thing is this. We need to remember that God is aware. God is aware. Job 13, verse 27, says, You, God, you keep a close watch on all my paths. All my paths, not just some. He keeps a watch on all of our paths. Think about that. The God of the universe who created everything that we see with our eyes and even the unseen things, the God who created all things is watching over you and he's watching over me. Can we even grasp that? That he knows us by name. Nothing escapes his eyes. The Bible says that the very tears that you have cried are numbered. The God of the universe would number our tears? He would count them? That tells me that he is aware. That means he knows. The Bible says uh, that he knows all things and that he is aware. So that's the first remembrance that we need to have. God is aware. The second thing we need to remember, the second sticky note on the computer screen is this. God cares. He's aware, but he also cares. Nahum chapter 1 verse 7 says, the Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Do you trust in Jesus today? Can you trust that he cares for you? That's what Nahum 1.7 says. We have a sympathetic heavenly father who cares deeply for us. Your pain matters to God. It really does. It's not a cliche saying. Your pain matters to him. In fact, you can talk to him about your hurt, and I encourage you to do so. If you were on the road last week, um, probably around 8 o'clock, you might have seen me driving down the road. I was driving down the road, and I had a care and a concern that was deep in my heart, and I was just pouring my heart out to God while I was driving. So if you saw me, and I was talking as though someone was in the car with me, it's okay. It's okay. I was just pouring out my heart to God because there was something in my heart. There was something that I've been really struggling with and some pain that was there. And I just needed to have a conversation with God. Have you ever been there before? Have a conversation. And that's the beauty of knowing that he is our heavenly father. In life, I am grateful for my earthly dad. I was blessed to have an earthly dad who was present in my life. And I could go to him in times of trouble and I could pour out my heart. I could say, Dad, I just need to get this out. And it didn't even necessarily have anything to do with my dad, but he would listen. And my dad wasn't God, but as I'm driving down the road and I'm pouring out my heart to God, and and, and I'm just, I am giving my cares and my concerns to the one who cares for me. And he can do things on my behalf. He's aware and he cares. People might have thought I'm crazy. But I just had to have a conversation. And I encourage you to do so. If there's times where you're going through a painful time and a struggle, it's okay. God's shoulders are big enough for you just to pour it out. 
and to give it to him and surrender to him and let him have it. Another thing that we need to remember that's, that's important this morning is this. We need to remember that God wants to help you. He wants to help. He wants to help me. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. But that's so good, I'm going to read that again. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. That's coming before our God. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God not only offers us his awareness, but he also offers us his assistance. You catch that? He wants to help us. He's aware But he's not just aware, he also is there to assist and to help us in times of need. He not only cares about your hurt, he wants to help you with your hurt and with your struggle. That's who our God is. He doesn't just send you a note in the mail. You go to the mailbox and you open up a note and in the inside it says, I'm thinking about you during this difficult time. And those those are okay notes to get in the mail, someone's thinking about us, but God doesn't send those kind of messages. God's just not thinking about you. He is actively working on your and on my behalf. Amen? Amen. That's the truth. He is working on our behalf. So we appreciate notes like that from friends, but that's not the kind of note that God will send you. He wants to help. He wants to give strength to you. He wants to bring comfort into your life. And he wants to see you through. He wants to bring you through. You see, some people, you know, they they, they will grow through their pain. But there are others who will get stuck in their pain. They're stuck, like mired down. Some go through their hurt and others get stuck in their hurt and they never get past it. That's where they remain. Why is that? Why is it that some can go through and others get stuck? Well, it's because people, sometimes they don't take the second step. See, we learn step one is that, is that God is with us, that he cares and he's aware and he wants to help us. But how do we get out of the pain and begin to move on in life. That takes us to step two. So if you're looking at your notes, step number two is this. We need to release the hurt. Release the hurt. Isaiah 43, verses 18 through 19. The Lord says, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Do not dwell on your past, the pain and the hurt, but see that God wants to do something new. How do we release the hurt? It begins when we stop focusing on the things that we've lost and we begin to change our focus to on what is left, what we have. It's a change of our perspective. It's a change of our focus. Not on the loss. We can never go back and change the loss, but we have to look at where we're at, what is left. What does God have before us? so that we can move forward. What God says is your past is past. Let it go. Let it go. It can't hurt you anymore. Don't allow people from your past to continue to hurt you today in the present, in the here, in the now. They can't hurt you unless you let them and allow them to hurt you in your life. It's a choice. It's a choice. Let it go. That almost sounds like a Disney movie soundtrack. <laughs> Trust me. I, that's, that song in that movie has been played in my house probably 600 times. And I'm saying, I let it go a long time ago. Quit playing the song. <laughs> it's a choice, friends. It's a choice to let it go. It's saying, God, I realize that you are with me and I choose to release the past. 
But now the question is, what do you do with the hurt then that you've experienced? So you want to release it. You, you want to let it go. But what do you do with that hurt then that, that you've experienced? And the reality, there's, there's really only four options that we have uh, in dealing with our hurt. There's four, four things. And this is the first thing. We can choose, option number one, if you will, we can choose to repress it, to rep- repress our hurt, to push it down and to swallow it. And if you swallow your feelings, how many of you know that your stomach still keeps score? You know what I'm talking about? When you try to repress your feelings, you're trying to repress your hurt and repress your pain, your stomach, it always keeps score. Pretending that it's not there and it doesn't exist and holding on to it is actually unhealthy for your body. It's unhealthy for you. You worry and you stress and begin to get ulcers and you carry that. Repressing it is never a good idea. If you repress your hurt, basically what you're doing is you're making yourself a walking, wounded person because you've never released it to God. The second way that people will handle their their hurt is they rehearse it. They begin to rehearse it. This is when you go over and over it, that hurt in your mind. And you rehearse that hurt time and time again. And when you do this, you are torturing yourself when you make yourself think that over and over and over again. Hurt from five years ago, 15 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. You rehearse that hurt and you, you, you don't let it go. God says, don't dwell on the past. Don't let the hurts from the past to continue to consume your mind. Rehearsing it like a skipping record. My age again, I did have records back in the day. And nothing was more frustrating when you put that record on and you had a skip and you saw that it was an actual scratch in the LP and you're like, there is no hope. It is there forever. And it would skip back and skip back and skip back and skip back. And so that's why I was glad to move away from the LPs of back in the day. Now, I will say even I was around, I remember eight tracks. I just need to stop. I just, that's, this is going, so. Don't let the hurts from your past continue to be rehearsed and replayed in your mind. Now, I do want to point out something really quick when we talk about rehearsing our, 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 our thoughts and this, this, this thing is, is that when we, we were releasing our hurt, there's a big difference between mourning and moaning. Okay? So here, mourning is legitimate grief. It's, it's legitimate. Jesus said, blessed are they who's, who, who mourn because they will be comforted. And God wants to comfort us in our grief and in our heartache. So he wants to journey through with us a season of grief. That's legitimate. Moaning is something completely different. Moaning is, oh, poor me, poor me. You know what it is? I'm going to go back to another Disney reference. It's an Eeyore attitude. Oh, no. Christopher Robin, I've lost my tail again. What will I ever do? I will probably just drop into this hole and you can cover me with dirt. It's never going to get better. See, that's an Eeyore mentality. That's moaning. It's holding on so tightly to the hurt that you don't want to let it go. It's almost embracing that hurt. And eventually that turns into a pity party and it becomes like a vicious cycle in your life. That's the difference between mourning, which is you know, legitimate grief, and moaning. And that's a way that people try sometimes to handle their hurt. Another way that people try to handle their hurt is by resenting it. We've got lots of R's this morning. Resenting it. We resent it. I have a definition of the word resent. Listen to this. To feel angry because you have been forced to accept someone or something that you do not like. Your hurt, your pain, struggle, your grief. You feel angry because you feel forced to accept something that you did not like. 
resenting the hurt. The problem with resenting our hurt friends is that our human nature might try to persuade us to get back at the people who brought that hurt into our lives in the first place. That's human nature. We are thankful for Jesus. We are thankful that we have a relationship with him, that he comes into our life, that he redeems us. But as long as we live in these flesh and blood bodies, we have to contend against a nature that is contrary to God. And our human nature at times would try to persuade us, hey, you know what? I have been hurt. I, I, I really wish that, that person who hurt me would have some pain in their life too. And as a pastor, I confess, I've had those kind of thoughts before because I have been hurt so deeply that, that, that human mindset is there. But thank the Lord that he redeems us. And the Holy Spirit says, Darth, mm -mm, it's okay. Let it go. That's what we need to remember today is resenting. That's our human nature. See, resentment will always eat you up. It kills you on the inside. It's like a cancer. It eats at you and eventually destroys you. So in our choices, we can either choose to repress our hurt, we can choose to rehearse it, we can choose to resent it, or number four, we can choose to release it. We can release the hurt to God. And really, friends, this is the best way to handle our pain, is to release it to him. Romans chapter 12, verse 19, says, Dear friends, never avenge yourselves, Leave that to God, for he has said he will repay those who deserve it. Aren't you glad this verse is in the Bible? I am so glad. If you truly want to let go of your hurt, you must let God settle the score. Have you thought of it that way before? Allowing God to settle the score? If someone's hurt you, guess what? God can handle it. He can take care of it. Who do you think could do a better job in getting even, you or God? It's not even close, is it? Give it to God, friends. It's never, it's never, we will never be able to make things right in and of ourselves. We need to release it to God. And never forget that God is aware in keeping, um, I'm sorry, never forget that God is aware in, of everything people do to you. He sees everything that goes on. The Bible says that he is keeping a record of rights and wrongs. So he knows. Are you aware, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Psalm chapter 10 is known as the victim's psalm. Did you know that? Psalm chapter 10. David starts off chapter 10 by basically saying this. This is a paraphrase. But Psalm chapter 10, David says, Lord, there's those guys out there and they're hurting people. And they're hurting the helpless and they're taking advantage of others. And they say, whatever, God's not watching. I can do whatever I want and get away with it. They're bowling people over and destroying lives and then saying, God doesn't care. God doesn't even see it. That's how chapter 10 begins in Psalms. Psalm 10, but then it goes on in verse 14. David says something different. He says, but you, O God, do see the hurt, the grief, and the pain, and you will call that person into judgment and avenge the helpless and the victims. God, if we, if we I'm sorry, if we leave it in God's hands, we, we let him be God, not try to be God ourselves, and we let him fight our battles, we realize he will do a far better job than we ever could in and of ourselves, Amen. God will take care of that. He will take care of all the wrongs. He is the righteous judge. And we can basically trust him in that. We release it to him. So our main question we've been talking about is how can I receive God's comfort? Well, we realize that God is with us. He's aware. He cares. He wants to help us. We also know that we can release the hurt and not dwell on the past not resent it, don't rehearse it or repress it, but we can give it to God. And the third way that we can experience God's comfort in our lives is when we rely on God's resources. He's given us some resources and we want to highlight, highlight those this morning. 
And maybe you've never thought of it this way, but really it is. Resources of comfort in our lives as we journey on. So here we go. When you think about what people will do to bring comfort into their lives, it's, it's pretty amazing. Some people will take pills or drugs trying to find comfort in their life. Some people abuse alcohol and they get drunk looking for comfort. Some people try affairs. They will actually have an affair of their spouse because they can't handle what's going on in their life. Some people pursue online relationships. Some people will busy themselves with a hobby or something like shopping because that's how they want to try to find comfort. They try to surround themselves with things. Some people will watch TV, or the internet all the time. Others will read novels or fantasize about nov novels trying to find comfort. Some people will just sleep all the, the time because they can't deal with it. And so they say, I will sleep away my troubles. If I'm asleep, I don't have to think about it. And they try to find comfort there. All of these people trying to find relief from pain in their lives. And all the while, here's God. And God is calling out, you don't have to do those things to have real, true comfort. You don't have to go down those lines. They are all just quick fixes. They don't last, and they are less than temporary. All those things. But what does last are the three comforters that God gives and he provides to us. And here they are. The first comforter that the Lord gives is his word. Number one, God's word. Amen. Psalm 119, verse 25 and 52 says, I am completely discouraged. Revive me by your word. Your word has been my comfort. Have you ever been completely discouraged? Yeah. I have. But what does the word say? Revive me by your word. Your word has been my comfort. It's been my shelter. I would encourage you to do something a friend of mine I went to college with, his name is Virgil Brown. It's another Virgil Brown. We have our own Virgil Brown. We didn't go to college together. But my friend Virgil Brown went to Northwest University with me. He makes a suggestion. And his suggestion is this. He says, get your Bible and go to Psalms. Now, this is my, my small reference Bible that I use when I'm preaching. But, but you, need, you need to have a Bible that you can mark up. And I don't know if you have a Bible that you own that you can mark up. But he's, he said, get yourself a Bible that you can mark up and you're not going to be like, oh, no, I ruined my Bible. But if you need to get one, get one that you can mark up. And he said, go to the Psalms, all 150 chapters. Go through the Psalms, take, make a priority, go through and highlight every verse that speaks comfort to you. He said, go through and highlight them all. Now, why would he say something like that? Why, why, why would you need to go through and highlight all those things? Well, he submits that because you have something that's tangible that's in your hands, that when the, when the hard times come and difficulties come and the struggles come and you're going through pain, you have something that you can open up and look directly to what God is saying to you. It's like learning how to fix a flat tire before you have a flat tire. Right? Having that knowledge. Go through. If you're not in that seat, it's good to do it now so that way when the time comes, you have that and you can open up the word and you can see exactly what is written in there that brings comfort. I want to praise God for his written word. Amen? That's just a suggestion. You could do it. I'm not going to come to your house and ask to see your Bible. But it's a suggestion. It's a tool. It's something we can go through. Because we need to hear the word of God directed towards us, what is spoken. And I know that in a gathering such as we have here today, both those here and those who are joining us online, that there are probably many hidden hurts that are represented here. Things that maybe no one else knows about in this room or those who are at home. Many hidden hurts. Sometimes behind our smiles, we come to church and we're really good at putting on smiles. We're really good because that's what we do. We try to mask that there could be some deep pain that we're going through in our lives. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for, the, for the, the word, Pastor Darth. I'm grateful for God's promises there. But I'm here today 
And, and does God really have a word for me in my pain, in my struggle, what I'm going through that no one else knows? This is my hidden hurt that I am carrying right now. Is there a word for, from God for me today right where I'm at? And the answer to that question is yes, he does have a word for you today. And this is the word. And you can write this down if you want, but, but you need to hear this. His word is this, your pain matters to him. He sees it, he understands it, and he feels it. And he will help you through your frustration and your pain and your hurt. That is his word for you today. We've been talking about it, but that's just kind of focused, drawn in right now to you. Your pain matters to him. I encourage you to become a student of the word, look into God's word, but also receive the comfort and encouragement God offers as he speaks into your life with his word. The word of God is living, it is active. Amen? Amen. In the beginning was the word. We're grateful for his word. Let's move on to the second comforter that God provides. He gives us his word, but he also gives us people. He gives us people. Romans 12, 15 says, laugh with your friends when they're happy. Share tears when they are down. The fact is, we need each other. Pastor Allen said that. We need each other. He said a little bit earlier. We were not created to be isolated from each other. There is no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. It doesn't exist. We need one another in order to make it through. If you do not have a family, we want to be your family. Our church is a spiritual family. That is what God designed us to be here for each other. And you need a spiritual family. You need to have others walk alongside of you to encourage you through difficult and tough times and to be there and to be present in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, The God of all comfort comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. It almost sounds like a tongue twister. Don't miss that. Listen, the God of all comfort comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. That's the beauty of the church. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. If you are hurting today, you are not alone in your hurt. No matter the struggle, no matter the pain, there are others who have shared experience with you. Someone who might say, I'm having a real tough time with my teenagers right now. Others might be able to say, we have too. We've been there. Let me encourage you. Here's the journey we've walked. Let me just speak life to you in the struggle that you're going through. God never wastes a hurt. He never wastes her. He never causes a hurt. God will not bring evil to us, but he will never waste hurt in our lives. He wants to use the hurts that you have had in your life to encourage others. Think about that. What you've carried, God can use to help others with. And I think about that in my personal life, in the life of my son and my family. I know many times I always draw back to my family, but this is my experience. I don't always have your experience, and you don't have my experience, but this is my experience. I remember when, when we found out that my son was going to be uh, born with heart defects, and he'd be having surgery right after birth, and we prayed for months and months and months for miraculous healing, and when he was born, there was not a miraculous healing that we knew of. He still needed the surgery, had complications from surgery, many setbacks. That was a process and a journey that I struggled with. My wife struggled with. But I remember distinctly Pastor Jerry walking me through that season of life. 
And I remember him saying, Darth, Braden is going to have a testimony, and his testimony might look a little bit different than what you were expecting, but he will still have a testimony that God can use for his glory. And I'll never forget that. And I think about what Jenny and I had to walk through in our experience, in our pain, in our struggle, and how God at times has used that for us to encourage other people or to point to the Lord as we met with doctors and say, hey, you know what? We've been praying this way. We're believing this way. But, but our faith is in Jesus, not in anything else. And we have an opportunity to testify to God's goodness, but we also have the opportunity to walk along others through difficult times and say, you know what? We've struggled. We've had pain. We've been hurting. We've questioned God. But we've experienced it, but God never wastes hurt. He doesn't waste it. Do we want hurt? No. We're not asking for hurt, and God isn't throwing hurt at us. But as we live in this life, we know that there is pain and there's suffering. This world is not the way that God designed it to be in the beginning. And there is hurt and there's pain and there's disease and there's all, there's sin, there's all this stuff that was never part of the original design. But God is wanting to redeem us. This world we live in, we know, cannot be redeemed and probably there will be a new heavens and a new earth. But he can redeem people. And he can redeem our hurt and our pain. And he can allow us to walk with others as they struggle. So important. The first comforter we have is God's word. The second comforter he gives us is people. And the third comforter he provides is his spirit. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ walked on this earth in a flesh and blood body. Correct? He put on human skin, if you will, and he lived among us. That was 2,000 years ago. But a day came when he was talking to his disciples and he said, I am going to leave you now and I'm going to return to heaven. But when I go, I'm going to come back in another form, in the form of a spirit, so that I can be with you and I can be in you. And that is the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's what he promised. And Jesus called the Holy Spirit the what? The comforter. That's what he called him. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to comfort us. The Holy Spirit comes into your life not to make you some kind of a religious fanatic or to scare you, ooh, spirit. Or not to make you some kind of oddball or weirdo like the world tries to say, oh, you believe in the Holy Spirit? You're Pentecostal? Oh, oh how can I stay as far away from you as I can? That's not what the Holy Spirit has come to do. He has come to bring comfort into our lives, to help us to become what God wants us to become. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, your whole life and outlook may be radiant with hope. I love that translation. When God's spirit takes up residence within us, our whole life and outlook will radiate with hope. When you think about it, the Christian life can be somewhat summed up in three words, faith, hope, and love. And because Jesus came, we have hope. He is our hope. He is our comfort. We have that hope when Jesus Christ comes into our life. Revelation 21, verse four, says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no mourning, no crying, no pain, for the older, old order of things has passed away. So what Revelation 21, four says, heaven is a place where there won't be any more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more grief, no more anger, no more resentment, and no more victims. Amen. That is heaven. And this is what the believers in Jesus Christ we call the hope of glory. Again, this world will pass away, but our hope is in the eternal. 
This is temporal. There is eternal. Our pain and our suffering is temporal. The hope that we have is eternal. If you're here today, you're watching online, I just want to ask, if, if you haven't invited Jesus Christ into your life, I would encourage you to do so today. Not because you might die tonight, because chances are you probably won't die in your sleep tonight. But the reason I encourage you to ask Jesus Christ into your life is because you have to live tomorrow. Right? If you don't die, you have to live. And how are we going to live? We have to live. The reality is between today and the time that we do die, we will most likely face some major trials and some tribulations and possible tragedies in our life. That's a reality. We don't know when. We don't get a letter in the mail that says, right around the corner, here comes your challenge. We don't, we're not privy to that information. But we know in life there will be struggle. To believe otherwise would be to deceive yourself. So the question for us is this. What are we going to have to hold on to when those times come? What are we going to hold on? They're going to come. What do we hold on to? And we need to hear the voice of God saying, I'm aware, I care, I want to help, I want to be your friend. I will strengthen you and I will see you through. That is the voice of the Lord. God will help us if we let him. It's conditional. It's conditional. God, I don't want your help. Leave me alone. Stay away from me. I've got my pain and I really like my pain. I like my suffering. In fact, I can't wait to carry that. I hope I live to be 96 so that way I can just live in this. No. God will help us if we let him. Saying, Jesus, I need you. I need your help. So I encourage you, if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, make that decision today. But maybe for some of you who are here in person or online watching, you are hurting and it's just about all you can do to hold back the tears of what you're facing right now in your life. I want to assure you that God cares and your pain matters to him. He's aware of the frustrations in your life. He's aware of the hurt and the guilt, maybe the anger. Maybe there's resentment, fear, depression, whatever it is, he's aware. But thank God for Matthew 5 verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. There's the promise. There's the promise. Comfort is available. Not some temporary comfort that this world tries to offer us, but true comfort is available in God himself. And if you'll turn to him, he will see you through. Would you bow your heads with me this morning as we invite the worship team to come out this morning. So this is my first invitation. I know we bow our heads and we close our eyes. And this is a normal thing that we do on a Sunday. But this is just so that we, we can focus and we can listen and not be distracted. But also it's, it's a moment we can just say, Lord, right now, it's, it's me and you. I, I, I want to have this moment. And so if you have not opened up your life to Jesus Christ and you know that you've tried things in your life that are wrong and there's sin and that all those wrong things that you've done in your life trying to find comfort in, that haven't satisfied, you know you've done things that are wrong and you say you're tired of running, you want something that's authentic, you want something that's real, you want to have hope, you want to have peace, that only comes through Jesus Christ in a relationship with him. So this morning, if anyone might be here, I never want just want to assume, is there anyone here this morning who says, you know what, I don't want to run anymore and I want to ask Jesus to come into my life, that I want to surrender to him and give him all my brokenness and confess my sins and receive forgiveness and hope. If that's you this morning, anyone this morning, just raise your hand quickly because I don't want to miss anybody. I see one right back here. Awesome. Anyone else? 
Maybe those are online. You're hearing that thing. Maybe you're raising your hand at home. I don't know. Can we pray this prayer together? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are here today and that I can come to you and give you all my sin, all my pain, and all my frustration. Come into my heart today. I give you my life, and I want to live for you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. The second question I have is this. You're here this morning, and you are a candidate for comfort. You would say, Pastor Darth, I, I have to have comfort today. I am struggling, and I just want to make myself a candidate for comfort today. And you would say, yes, Lord, I receive your comfort. Is anyone who say that's you? Would you raise your hands? Anyone who's struggling? Yes. Anyone else? Yes. 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 Let's all stand together if you would. Heavenly Father, I pray over those who had the courage to raise their hand. I saw their hand being raised. You saw their hand being raised. There might be some of this morning who don't have the strength to even raise their hand because the struggle is so strong. I pray, Lord, you will meet them where they're at. I pray, Father, that you will encourage them, that you will lift them up as they release all the things and all the frustrations and the struggle and the pain, as they would release that to you, Father, you would meet them where they are at and that you would be their hope, that you would be their life. God, that you would encourage them, that you are gonna see them through. Lord, that their pain is, is not something that is forever, God, that you will see them through and God, that you will set them up in such a way that you will bring glory out of the struggle that they've experienced. Lord, I pray, Lord, for peace in the storms that are facing in people's lives. I pray, God, that you'll bring encouragement to them. I pray, Father, that we, as the body of Christ, would look to one another how we can encourage and how we can pray for one another so that way we will be what you've called us to be as a spiritual family. Lord, I thank you for your promises. I thank you for your word. I thank you for all the things. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, the comforter who has come. I thank you, Jesus that in this day and in this time right now, you meet us where we are. You are aware and you wanna help us. And it's with this, that confidence, Lord, we release it to you in Jesus' name. Can we just lift our hands all across this room? We let go, Father, every one of us. We let go of the, the, the pain and the hurts of the past. We let go of God, we wanna move on. We want to say yes to the future that we have in you. We want to embrace you, God. That's why we let go of the stuff so we can embrace you. You guide us. You lead us forward. You help us, Jesus. Because without you, there is no hope. Without you, there is no real comfort. It is only found in you. So, Father, as we let go, now we worship you for who you are. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship with Tammy and the worship team this morning.